This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was trying to get my computer to become alive. And I never Dang, he's got his dress shirt on. He's so dressed up for us. Dane, we took a shower and you got dressed up for this? This is not even going to be on camera. Ugh. You idiot. <laughs> this isn't, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. What a great guy. Are you sorry? I don't feel I like you're sorry. Your, I just saw your Twitter DMs, you guys adding me or whatever. Yeah, we added you. You got demoted. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> What's happening? Did you take extra time to shower and get dressed for thinking this would be on camera? Well, I didn't take extra time to shower. I just... Took a longer shower, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I thought it was on camera. Yeah. Mm. Oh, hey, when yeah. you guys take a shower, do you wash your feet like, like every time? Maybe every other time? Once every once every two months. Months. I forget. Yeah. You said once every two months. Mm-hmm. Something like that. <laughs> and Dave walks around barefoot. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm near this man. I'm like all barefoot. I'm very earthy. <laughs> decided this was the, decided he was going to wash his toes this month. Dude, five bucks Dane drops that water all over his computer. <laughs> Honestly, I stepped in some like, blood like yesterday or something, and I put my foot up like on the sink when I because I wanted to clean in between my toes because it was nasty, and my feet felt so clean. And I'm realizing that's probably why because they're never that clean. You know what I mean? Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host, Brendan Snow, joined by Zach Blostein and making his first appearance ever on On the Bench, Dane Draper, also known as Dane Drooper, also known as Dane Train. Welcome aboard the Dane Train. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Don't sip on the water. Oh my bad, yeah. Oh my I gotta, god. Oh my I gotta god. learn how to do podcasts and have podcast etiquette. I gotta learn that. That'll come in time. What a rookie. <laughs> been a mistake <laughs> all right so dane has been i think knows 24 7 subscribers know that dane joined us as an intern about a month ago uh, he's previously worked with the osceola with double fries no slaw and uh, he works really really hard he helps sack out a ton with recruiting those two together is a uh, try to think of the right way to describe it in a uh, family friendly environment but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of anarchy that those two bring to covering recruiting uh, live in person. So I'm going to see if we can bring that to the podcast, but controlled chaos, maybe we'll see. We're already off to a rousing start with Dane uh, drinking water on the mic and yeah, whatnot. So fellas, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, there's a huge official visit weekend, multiple quarterbacks were on campus. Uh, but first, I think we need to get into two commitments that happened over the weekend. Let's start with Quindarius Jones, the defensive back from Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, not ranked currently, but someone I think all three of us are pretty high on with, with his potential upside. I'm not gassing him up. I'm, I legitimately think there's 
there's something there. And I think we'll have many more power five offers by the time it's all said and done. Zach, uh, your general thoughts on Quindarius Jones. And I guess we saw him at camp last week and, and the take for Florida state. Yeah. So I'm a big fan. He's lengthy. Um, he can move. We've, uh, if you guys are tuned into the Knowles 24-7 YouTube channel, we we kind of broke down his film uh, on a video recently. And Coach AB and Kev Little also did a video on the elite camp where they broke down um, him in coverage. He he was the only guy that was able to keep up with FSU receiver commit Vandrevious Jacobs at that event, um, was able to stay with him in stride. There's a play where he flips his hips um, on a, I believe it was a, a curl route towards the uh, sideline for Jacobs and he flips his hips and is able to uh, get there and defend defend the ball, which is I don't know for for someone at his size is pretty impressive. If you turn on the film, the high school film, he's a hard hitter. Um, he's able to move around the field really well. Has pretty good ball skills. He plays receiver as well. I think Brendan was even saying that some of his receiver film might even be better um, than what he shows on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm a big fan. F- our, 24-7 Sports just gave him his initial ranking of an 86 overall, um, a three-star ranking. That's usually around what they give to guys that they're first evaluating. Obviously, he'll get more evaluation as the process uh, unfolds. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the take. Is this the original Berg bump, like a post, post-mortem post Berg bump for RIP Berg? Blow bump. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> family friendly show again fellas yeah i'm with you zach i, I like his length a lot oh, family friendly show uh but he, he's six foot three the way he's able to bend and turn uh, you know swivel the hips in coverage at six foot three is really impressive he went to the elite camp i think with fsu looking at him as like a a potential safety or, or linebacker type and he leaves it with him saying oh he's definitely a safety and possibly even a boundary cornerback with some of his agility and uh, some of the testing, you know, he's someone who runs track in high school. I think he runs in the low 11 second, the hundred meter in the low uh, 11 second range, which is pretty, pretty damn good. And the 200 meters, his specialty, which I think kind of shows like the, the long speed and um, the length, the range that he has that shows up on the football field. So as someone who's not ranked or excuse me, he is ranked, doesn't have any offers currently other than the Florida state one, but someone who I think is going to continue to ascend as a prospect. Uh, Dan, you were able to catch up with him. The other day, I guess, what were your thoughts on talking to Quindarius and just uh, what he uh, basically why he picked Florida State? Yeah, well, he felt the love from from Marcus Woodson. You know, he's a Mississippi native too. Marcus Woodson is. So I think they connected really well off the bat. Um, and he's someone that I guess he felt like a priority. He hadn't felt like he hadn't felt that from anywhere else, anywhere else of the pedigree of Florida State, especially. And um, comes here, performs on the elite camp, he said he felt like home at Florida State. And um yeah, it just worked for him. I think uh, I think it's worth noting that at the elite camp, Kev, who doesn't really go to recruiting events, was gravit. We said the wrong guy. There was two different 16s there on the initial podcast. The the instant reaction when we did from that, but it was it was Quindarius Jones who Kev was gravitated towards. He loved the way he moved with at his size, and so I think that was just very telling that you know that someone who knows what he's looking at, who watches a lot of film and a lot of football. Uh, doesn't really go to many of these recruiting events, and right away he picks up the guy who gets an offer and ends up committing a week later. I think that that shows some of the physical tools that just kind of popped out uh, to someone who knows what they're looking at. So, yeah, uh, he's a he's a safety, he's a defensive back, potential cornerback for FSU. I think he's a good addition to this class. You know, they can't all 
be project players. You're going to have to win some battles for marquee guys, but he's someone who I think is certainly worth a roll of the dice. Um, and speaking roll of the dice, let's go to the other commitment from this weekend, and that was Jaden Jones, a JUCO defensive end uh, from Hutchinson Community College. He's from the uh, the Alabama – Was it, is it Montgomery or Birmingham, Zach? Montgomery. Montgomery. Do you ever hear the story about the time I almost made it to Montgomery, Alabama? <sighs> almost every day. Uh, so Jaden Jones – is a uh, is a guy who is also ascending, uh, and uh, we'll get into taking guys that don't have you know aren't ranked, but uh, we'll do that in a minute. But he is someone who has a, a nice starting pack of offers at the group of five level, and the two power five offers he had were Missouri and Florida State. He's someone who went underwent a physical transformation from his senior season in high school to uh, basically what's you know almost now going to be entering year two of college football for him. He redshirted his first year at Hutchinson and really used that as a time to transform physically. Lost about 25 pounds. Uh, he's in a six-foot, six frame. I think he's about 245 pounds right now. There's not any community college level game film of him right now, which is adding some intrigue to this take. However, uh, the practice tape is really, really impressive. Uh, Zach, I'm going to throw this to you. What did you like and what did you see from Jaden Jones' game? What are the unknowns? And then uh, we can kind of get into his recruitment after that. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest unknown is what you said, right? He's never played a snap of, of junior college football. Um, he redshirted that first year, got in a lot of practice. Um, he went against Florida O-line signee Jordan Herman that entire first year. Um, so he got, he got some good reps against a guy that's going to a, a Power 5 school. Um, obviously this year will be big for him. The spring is what blew him up. Um, all the schools that, that offered are, are going off his four minute spring film. Um, he's completely transformed his body. Like you said, uh, cut down his weight. Um, I was told by his, uh, Jico head coach that he ba basically lost the baby fat. Um, so now he's, he's leaned out, looks like a legitimate, uh, D line prospect. Um, but he, he's got an extremely high ceiling. Everyone I talked to, uh, close to him, um, I mean, they think the world of him and they think that he's not even close to scratching that ceiling. So um, definitely impressive. I, I'm interested to see what he does this upcoming season. That'll obviously be the teller of, of whether this take is a good take or not. Um, but right now, based on the limited film we have of him, um, you know, I think he's pretty impressive. He is a 2023 December grad, or so he's a 2023 recruit. He will graduate in December of 2022, uh, which means we expect him to enroll in January of 2023. Correct, Zach? Yeah. Okay. So he's someone who'll be uh, coming up on the campus in the next uh, six months or so. Let's get into, I guess, like how FSU uncovered him. You mentioned the spring tape and I guess, you know, why he ended up picking Florida State when he also was getting some love from Missouri and, and a few other schools as well. Yeah, so Florida State um, goes to see him in the spring. Uh, first, it was Ron Dugans. They weren't actually going to see him first. He has a teammate who's the number one Juca receiver in the country, Malik Benson, um, being recruited by a ton of schools. FSU wants to get in there. I don't think they, they're in that recruitment. But they going there, um, they took notice of this six foot six, 240-pound defensive lineman that was tearing it up in practice. Um, so the word got back. They started reviewing his film. Um, they sent Tony Tokars up there to get, go check him out again. And then they bring him on an unofficial visit to get his verified size and measurables um, in the month of May. And then since then, I was told they they made a hard push for him. Coach JP, Ryan Barto uh, were both in his ear constantly, FaceTiming him, calling him. His mom told me that when he was home for break for the three weeks 
uh, after um, the spring session or spring semester at, at Hutchinson, she noticed how much Florida State was was calling him um, and was constantly recruiting him. So uh, when he when he came to her and basically told told her that he wanted to commit, um, she was pretty you know she was down for it because she knew that Florida State was was somewhere that um, cared about him. Um, she was on that initial unofficial visit and really liked it down there. Said she you know within thirty minutes of being in Tallahassee, she knew this is a place that she was comfortable sending her son. Um, so since that trip, um, like I said been recruiting him hard. And then about a month later, they lend his commitment. So these two commitments that Florida State has, I think we can all say like there's upside to both of them uh, that they added this weekend. There's, you can see the path to them becoming high-end power five players. However, uh, the offer list and the rankings would indicate otherwise. So this is a blend of us. We're not trying to homer it up. We're not trying to gas these guys up. I do legitimately think there's physical tools to be intrigued and excited about both of them. However, I guess, what do we take away from this, this little trend here this last weekend kind of, is this reflective to you, Zach or, or Dane? I'll, I'll throw this to you first, Zach, and then Dane, you can jump into, but just as reflective of where Florida State, I guess, stands in, in the recruiting world at this moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more so the fact that, like, the guys they're after that are more highly touted, more highly ranked are not, like, it's harder for them to be sold on Florida state um, with all the other options that other great options they have on the table um, without seeing the product on the field. Um, the guys that are lesser ranked, you know, one, uh, one offer like Quindarius Jones or a guy like Jaden Jones who has like seven or eight offers like Florida state's an easier pick because that's probably the, the highest of the, of the crop of offers they've got um, the, the most prominent school w- with highly ranked guys. I mean, they're going to have to, show the product in the field. They're going to have to prove to these guys that um, Mike Norvell's process is working at Florida State um, because we've seen the past two seasons that really, it really hasn't happened yet. Ideally, um, if things go right this season, Quindarius Jones and Jaden Jones are guys you want to be at like the bottom of your class, filling out the floor, um, and you want to kind of add talent uh, upwards. Um, so we'll see if that happens. Um, I don't think either of them are bad takes, but um, if those are your only guys or your top guys, then, you know, I think they would be considered not great takes. Yeah, I would agree with that last part, especially like these aren't guys you're you're banking on being the baseline of your class or banking on being the top of your class. But when you get on these kind of guys early, it gives you a better chance if they do blow up um, to land them down the line. Kind of an interesting aspect to this for me is I think both these guys are going to be ones who end up uh, end up getting more and more power five offers. Right. Like I think we all kind of agree with that, that they're probably going to be upwardly mobile as recruits and more than so saying like, you know, FSU's scraping the bottom of the barrel for recruits right now. I think more so is they're having to be aggressive with guys who are unknowns. You're not able to be proactive with, uh, the high-end recruits is something that Zach kind of alluded to. Yeah, some of the, the top-tier guys, you can't dictate terms of the recruitment like maybe you could last year when there was a lot of hype and a lot of excitement about the program. Uh, so you're kind of having to be reactionary in that regard, which isn't a great place to be for recruiting. You don't want to be reactionary. You want to be setting the tone. You want to be proactive. Uh, with that being said, this is FSU's way of being proactive. You can't push for the top-tier of guys but you can find value. You can find guys that you trust to go on, you know, 
go on the road and scout and evaluate, which is something this coaching staff really hasn't done. It's their first full spring where they've been able to be out and, and evaluating guys. Uh, so you got to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt there because the track record they've had at previous stops. Uh, but I think this is telling of like where FSU is in the recruiting pantheon right now. Uh, they're not the ones setting terms for or dictating terms, excuse me, for the highest level of recruit. Uh, instead, they're going to have to push and be a little bit more aggressive with guys that are, I guess are uh, roll, rolls of the dice is how I'd put it. So uh, I think that's where Florida State's at right now. Some good news. Some positive news, uh, something that I guess we've kind of expected for the last few weeks. We've been hinting at it. We've been saying this could be coming down the pipe here, uh, and it looks like it's about to come to fruition, and that is Antavius Woody is set to come to Florida State, arrive in Tallahassee this week. Uh, Zach, he told you as of uh, this weekend he plans to be at Florida State today, here, Monday. We're recording the podcast. Uh, that's that's the plan. We're working to confirm when he actually arrives, but uh, that seems pretty positive. Yeah, he actually – uh, update on that. He told me today, this morning, that he's in Tallahassee. Woo! <laughs> can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. Do you throw that to Knowles 24-7? Message it, it, I posted on Twitter and I linked to your story that you, you posted yesterday. Oh, well, Twitter doesn't pay me, Zach. Oh, okay. Sorry, Chris Nee. <laughs> Chris Nee thing to do. All right. So, uh, Davis, what is this? has been a long-going saga of him basically getting become academically eligible to enroll at Florida State. They never sent him a, a national letter of intent uh, to sign uh, back in February. Uh, he had a signing ceremony, but uh, there was not an actual announcement of a, of a signature. Uh, they wanted him to have his moment, which I get, but you know, they had to kind of wait this out and make sure he took care of, handled his business, took care of what he had to, had to take care of in class. Uh, it seems like he did that. And the fact that he's here in Tallahassee is a really positive step. All that's left now, I think, is enrolling, and then he's good to go. Uh, real quick, Zach, thoughts on his game? Anything? It's been a little while, I think, since we kind of considered, like, oh, this guy actually going to be here. Uh, what do we know about Antavius Woody, and, and why is this probably a, a, a nice development for Florida State? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing to note is that he has position ver- uh, versatility. Um, he could be on the offensive line, either as a guard or maybe even as a, a swing tackle. Um, he's got the wingspan to do it. Um, he's only stands at like six foot two or six foot three, but we're told his wingspan is like six, six. Um, so that's pretty impressive. And then if he wants to go on the defensive line. He's also a really dominant, uh, defensive tackle, um, at the high school level. So if Florida state wants to try him out there. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think that would be a good move, especially with how many guys Florida state just brought in along the offensive line in this freshman class. I think there's five, um, I don't want to count them all, but I believe there's five or six that, that come in the freshman class, along with Caden Lyles and, and Dimitri Emanuel um, from the transfer portal. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they start him off the de- defensive line or, or try that position out at some point, because if you watch his film, he's pretty dominant uh, at that position. The only counter I would say to that, Zach, I mean, they brought in a bunch of offensive linemen uh, as well, but uh, defensive line, and we're about to get into this, they really like what they have with Bishop Thomas and Daniel Lyons, right? The yeah. two interior defensive linemen. And uh, maybe this is a good transition to our next topic, which will be the official visitors from this weekend. But FSU is a finalist for uh, Oyabami Tafasi, a three-star defensive tackle who is reclassifying to the 2022 class. Looks like a million bucks, passes the eye test, great personality, uh, seems really, really polished. And uh, he would be an academic redshirt in 2022 season. Um, but so that would maybe then, you know, if Ventavious Woody moves there that'd give them either four defensive tackles in this cycle or what six 
freshman offensive linemen along with the three transfers to date so far. So either way, you're loading up on the trenches, uh, but that's the only thing we'll get into the numbers game. Um, so let's let's move on to that. Let's go into the official visits from this weekend. Let's start with Oyamabi Tafasi, someone who – well, Zach, I'll throw this to you because you were there for the interview. Uh, he's, he's a really, really likable guy, huh? Yeah, that interview was awesome. Um, I told him and his coach that was one of the best interviews we've we've ever done outside the more. Just super fun to talk to. Um, give us a lot of insight. He's very candid about his recruiting process and the Florida State official. Um, he even knocked a bug on me. Um, he knocked a bug me. off of me onto yeah. you, which he I saved you. Loved. Um, yeah. yeah. He's trying to talk, so pretty cool. Okay, pretty good. Cool. Oh, you have something right. Oh, no. <laughs> it's on deck now. He's, he's a great guy. Um, I think Florida State w- w- would be ecstatic to add him to their 2022 class. He said that if he goes to Florida State, he'll be back in Tallahassee to enroll on Wednesday. So in two days. <laughs> so we'll have clarity on that pretty soon. Yeah. Talk about a quick turnaround. Um, I, you know, I think Florida State sits in a good spot. The, the competition for them is Arkansas. I don't think they view... There's four finalists. It's Arkansas, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and UConn. I don't think Virginia Tech and UConn are considered threats right now, um, according to who I talked to. Uh, but Arkansas is. And, and uh, Sam Pittman over there, the head coach, does a great job in the trenches, recruiting the trenches. Um, and I know Florida State's wary of that. Um, but they, they feel like they did a great job on the official. Um, and you can watch the interview on Nose 24-7 with Io himself. And he, he goes in depth on that. Um Right now, I don't have a prediction of where, where he's going to end up, um, but obviously we're going to get clarity on this soon, and we're going to keep digging on, on what we're hearing regarding uh, his upcoming decision. Yeah, I think this is a case where Arkansas is looking at Florida State and being like, eh, and vice versa. Florida State's looking at Arkansas and going, eh. So I think th- those two are kind of having a little bit of a standoff right now, trying to see where, where AO lands. Uh, Dane, did you see him in person when he arrived on campus? Yeah, that dude is a behemoth. Like, he's large. <laughs> he looks like an absolutely grown man. The handshake broke. I oh, showed, yeah, I didn't even feel that. that been... <laughs> I showed my girlfriend a picture of him, and she goes, okay. he looks older than you. I'm like, yeah, he, he's 17. <laughs> You're only 22 years old, Zach. So dude, he's got a full beard. He looks like a grown man. He, he does look yeah. like he is ready to contribute pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's how you want him to look uh, in, in the trenches. So that would be a heck of a development for Florida State, someone who I think is super under the radar. The interest from Arkansas, Virginia Tech, pretty late in the process is telling. You can kind of sneak him in as part of the 2022 class. Again, I'm, so the academic redshirt, people are asking, basically means you're you're on campus. Uh, you cannot play during that season. Uh, we've seen this with Travis J, Demory Tate. Uh, in the past, but the difference was like, I think that was some, like they weren't entirely sure if they were going to be academic redshirted until like the start of the season went through camp kind of with that being unknown, or at least a few weeks of camp uh, with, with AO, I, I, this was unknown going in because he's coming from a prep school and reclassify and would have a little bit of work to do. Um, I don't think it's like a great issue thing. It's just a matter of getting credits because he's, he's moving up so quickly. Is that fair, Zach? Yeah. And okay. the cool thing with him is that, he wasn't really being recruited, so he reclassified to 2023 because he's young. He's only 17. Um, but then he started to get recruited by, you know, the, the schools we, we mentioned. And he's like, man, like I, I could enroll at one of these schools this this summer for this upcoming season. Um, so he decided to become a 2022 again, and he's going to make a decision this week. which is Oh, so cool. he was 22 to 23 and back to yep. 22 potentially? Correct. That's cool. Correct. That's funny. 
Uh, all right, so let's go on to wide receiver Shelton Sampson, five-star recruit, the biggest name prospect on campus. Uh, Zach, let's uh, let's paint a picture on, on how we got the Shelton Sampson exclusive interview. Yeah, so Brendan and I uh, got word that some of the official visitors were going to be leaving straight to the airport. Um, so we decided instead of going to the bench um, with Christopher and and Dane Droper, um, we, we decided to go to the airport. And uh, right when we got there, like 15 minutes after we got there, we saw Shelton Sampson walk in with his family. Um, I went over there. He was really tired after, after two late night out or two late nights out on, a, on, his, on the official. What are you um, implying, Zach? Nothing. He was a great interview. Um, got, got him in the airport, in the terminal. Um, he's a great guy. He talked about how much he loved uh, reconnecting with his former high school coach, who's now on the FSU coaching staff, Gabe Fertitta. Um, also, David Johnson, the Louisiana native, is also really involved in that recruitment. He The, the favorite part of the visit was the spaghetti cook-off. Um, him and Ricky Collins, we'll talk about him in a bit, four-star quarterback committed to Purdue. Uh, they won the spaghetti cook-off. Aobami Tafasi was not happy about that. He felt like he should have won. Um, he was he was uh, with uh, Damon David, the Oregon DB transfer, who we'll also touch on. But yeah, it was a good interview. That's up on those twenty four seven exclusive. Okay, uh, let's go to Damon David from Oregon. Uh, while Zach and I were chasing down Shelton Sampson, uh, Dane and Chris Knee were holding down the bench. Dane, you were there, and you know what? We got Damon David, Dane Drooper Draper, DDs talking to each other. Uh, what uh, what was going on with the the Damon David interview? What'd you learn from from that exit interview? Yeah, I think Damon David. I think he's a guy that if Florida State wants in this class, I think he's going to end up in it. He hasn't been anywhere else since he hit the portal in May, and um, yeah, he seemed to. I think they recruited him well, but I don't think he's a super highly contested guy either necessarily. Uh, I know they like his length. That's something they covered a lot. We know that. And uh, and he seemed to enjoy his visit. He talked about how he, you know, who wouldn't want to be a DB at Florida State. I thought that was cool. And he said he'd, I think he straight up said uh, he would love to love to play here. So it, it was a good interview. He's a soft-spoken guy. Seemed like a nice, genuine guy. And uh, if I think if FSU wants him in the class, he'll, he'll be there. I heard that intel coming out of that was that FSU felt like it was in a pretty good spot for him, but yeah, he's going home to kind of weigh what's going to happen. And I think Florida state's the only place he's visited. So that's uh, a matter of if you want to allocate a scholarship to him, there, trying to find another way to get him in, I guess, or, or whatnot. But right now I think that looks pretty good for Florida state. If they want him. I think if they want to push there, they'll, they'll get him. We know they've been trying to add one more defensive back in this class. Um, I think the only other guy on the radar, I'm blanking on the name, Zach, help me out the junior college uh, DB who might be in next, is it this upcoming week? Um, Jaden Pearson, is that the name? Yeah, Dan, so. you were the, you you confirmed him uh, taking an official later this month, right? Yeah, he's another longer guy, the safety body from uh, California. Okay, so I think that's kind of what the DB board looks like right now. We'll we'll see um, how that goes, but I think the intel come out of that was was pretty pretty positive. Uh, let's see, going down the list here for official visits, uh, Luke Burgess. Offensive lineman from the Midwest. A big fan of getting you know, six foot eight offensive lineman from the Midwest. I think it's a pretty good ingredient for someone. It's a, it's a tough position to evaluate. Uh, big physical, mean, corn fed dudes tend to uh, project highly. So Zach, uh, you're able to get Luke on the phone and uh, 
I get, he he ended up leaving town pretty early. We were at the airport like at nine. I think he was already doing a connecting flight in Dallas uh, by the time we were we were in the Tallahassee airport. So you were able to get him on the phone. Uh, what did you get out of the the interview with Luke? Yeah, so uh, it's a three team race for Luke Burgess, North Carolina, where he visited last weekend, Florida State this weekend, and then Louisville um, this upcoming weekend. I think Louisville personally is the biggest threat to FSU in this recruitment. Alex Atkins has done a great job, like he usually does with, with any offensive line prospect he's after. Um, that's why they they obviously made his top three. I don't expect him to to take it or take his recruiting process, you know, outside of the summer. Um, I think he wants to get it done as soon as possible, probably as soon after that Louisville visit next weekend um, as he can. Um, but he said if, if he needs time, um, he'll take it all the way up into August, but definitely not going into the season. Um FSU did a great job on this official. He enjoyed spending a lot of time with Alex Atkins. Um, the biggest difference between this official and his unofficial that he took back in March was that he got to learn a lot about academics um, at FSU and, and what you know minors and majors he wants to take um, if he were to end up here. So that was a big part of it. Um, I think FSU is in a good spot. I'm not sure his pecking order right now. I'm, I'm sure we'll learn more after he finishes his last official at Louisville. Um, but I like where FSU stands. Um, they're they're going to, you know, I think Louisville, like I said, is the biggest threat. So them getting the last official is worrisome. Um, but, I, but I like Alex Atkins's shot. Um, you just got to keep, keep it up uh, until that decision comes soon. Okay. So two more official visitors to get to both quarterbacks. Uh, they were the last, uh, some of the last guys to leave pretty late on Sunday evening uh, to be transparent. We were able to get one for an interview and the other one kind of snuck out. Yeah, he snuck out. I was trying to not say snuck out because it has a negative connotation. I mean, he's a committed quarterback, and that was Ricky Collins, uh, the Purdue quarterback commit. I'm assuming because he's committed, it's already kind of a sensitive uh, subject. So he probably doesn't want to be doing an interview while committed somewhere, which I I think makes sense. And then the one we got was Brock Glenn. So we're going to talk about those two here coming up. Uh, But first, someone else who got, got sent home uh, I guess early was Dane Draper. Dane, how did that feel that Chris kicked you out and said, get out of here? You know, it felt pretty good, actually. Uh, it was really oh, it hot out there. So okay. it was pretty all right, yeah. So you turned that into to a win? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, no, it was okay. I went home and I ate dinner and, and wrote that story. So it worked out. All right, good. I'm not sure what I was expected to get out of that. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the Brock Glenn interview. So <clears throat> it's getting late into the day, and we're told that maybe like I, I think there was Brock was there, Ricky was still there, and AO was still there. So th- those were the three who were who were left. And Zach and I were like, you know what, we're thirsty. We're gonna get drinks for everyone up at the vending machine on the fourth fourth floor. So we left to do that. And Zach was like, you know what? He's like, as soon as we as soon as we get you know, turn the corner all three of these guys are going to exit and Chris is going to be left alone to try to get all of them. And uh, not quite what happened, but sure enough, Zach and I come, come back. My arms full of, of different beverages and everyone's outside interviewing Brock Glenn. So Zach, I'll, I'll let you take it, take it from there, the actual interview for, with Brock. And I guess what we, what we gleaned from, from that interview. Yeah. I mean, first off, you got to talk about the vending machine that completely scammed us out of our oh, Dr. Pepper. That's right. How much How much money do we spend getting Coke Zero trying to find the Diet Dr. Pepper? It was probably a good like $8. Yeah, on... $6 or $8. It was ridiculous. <laughs> what a, what a ripoff. Yeah. Fix that FSU. Um, 
<laughs> no, but Brock Glenn, that was a great interview. Um, really professional. Uh, he really talked about how the, how this visit changed his perception of Florida State. He wasn't sure going in how much he was a priority for them. Obviously, they have a quarterback commit. They're recruiting Ricky Collins as well, like we mentioned. Um, but after this visit, Tony Tokars, Mike Norvell made it clear they really want him in the class. Um, he, he really enjoyed himself. He, he said the biggest thing, you know, he had fun on the visit. There was bowling, you know, the spaghetti thing I was talking about earlier. But the most... The, highlight of the trip for him was watching a ton of film with Tony Tokars. Um, they kind of broke down the FSU offense and how friendly it is uh, for quarterbacks. That's his words, not mine. Um, he talked about that. He, he loved breaking down film with Tony Tokars. Uh, he mentioned how his offense uh, in Memphis, uh, I think it's LaSanne. LaSan, it's La something. Yeah. College prep so, school. Yeah. yeah. So at that school, uh, they run a similar offense to what Florida State does uh, right now under Mike Norvell. Um, so he likes that too. With Brock Glenn, um, there's some new schools getting involved. Ohio State is the biggest uh, worry for me. He's going to officially visit there next weekend. He actually took off uh, from Tallahassee. They drove down to Tallahassee from Memphis. They went to UF for an unofficial visit uh, today. Right while we're speaking, he's on campus there. Um, I'm serving, not- up, serving up some soggy mac and cheese. Yeah, that plate was disgusting. Oh my God! As someone who's made some pretty bad plates of mac and cheese before, let me tell you something. That was yeah, that was worse than yours. Yeah, it was. And you know what? Mine was too dry. That was too wet. Maybe if you combined ours two together, we've been all right. Just stop. Um, Yeah. So Ohio State, like I mentioned, I worry about them a little bit. Auburn's another huge factor. They've got him on campus four times uh, over his recruitment. They just got him in got him in on an official last weekend. He wants to make a decision before Elite Eleven, which I believe is June twenty eighth through the thirtieth. Um, he'd like to have a decision before then, but some factors could change that. Um, he said he might take an official that last weekend of June, uh, the June 24th weekend, which it, which could be to Virginia or UF. I think UF is a school that's not offered him yet. They're still in for like a guy like Jin Rashada, so they're waiting to see how that recruitment plays out before they go full in on him. Um, but I think if they lose out on that recruitment, they they might go in on Brock Glenn and try to get him on that, that OV that last weekend. Um, yeah, but right now, I would say Ohio State worries me, obviously, because they're a super prominent program. They do great with quarterbacks. Ryan Day does a great job recruiting that position. Um, but but like I said, we heard, uh, you know, aside from what Glenn told us himself, we heard that the visit went super well, that they improved their standing with him and Ricky Collins, who I'll let Brendan get into in, in a little bit. Um, but we'll see. I think I think we'll get closure on, on his decision before the end of the month. Things could change, but but that's what he really wants to do. Did Brock Glenn give either of you some big old Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused vibes? Yeah, a little uh, bit. All right, all right, all right. Do it, Dane. No. What? What? <laughs> okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, my God. All right, all right, all right. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> Zach, you got to do it now. All right, all right, all right. It was awesome. Um, their offense fits me perfectly. Um, it's a lot of the same stuff we do at Lausanne. I don't think there's honestly a better offense for me. Um, and what I want to accomplish, and that's the NFL, um, I think that'll prepare me and also allow me to put up big numbers, um, do good things here, win some games. So it was awesome. All right, all right, all right. All right, let's move on. Finally, Ricky Collins. Uh, 
snuck out as Zach so lovingly said earlier. But guess what, guys? He's gonna be back in Tallahassee in a couple days. You can you can escape Tally, but not for long. And, I'm, and those 24 sevens can be stalking him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. So Ricky Collins is the highest ranked quarterback that Florida State is in on right now. Uh, he is a very talented signal caller from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He actually was at LSU throwing uh, at their, was it a seven on seven camp or ND camp? But he was, he was yeah, at LSU. Okay. Seven on. So he was there throwing with his team uh, on Friday. And then he, so he arrived at Florida State a little bit later. Uh, a couple things here. So he's committed to Purdue, uh, but he is certainly open for business. Uh, Florida State got an official visit. I believe he's going to check out Oregon. Uh, LSU, I, I think logically, is the one to kind of be like, all right, if they go in on him, that's the one to really worry about and watch. However, uh, we've heard like mixed things on this. Uh, uh, so what I can put together is that the previous LSU coaching staff under Ed O, like they did not really talk to him at all, give him the time of day, which really soured him to LSU. He's a kid from Baton Rouge. We know how difficult it is to pull out kids from Louisiana. Now extrapolate that to a kid in Baton Rouge, right? Who, who grew up watching LSU. He loves LSU. That's his dream school. Uh, this current coaching staff under Brian Kelly is talking to him more. They're giving him more attention, but they have not gone all in on him. Actually very tepidly. They haven't really offered him or done much of, of heavy recruiting at all, but there's at least some line of communication. My understanding is, is that this experience of the two coaching staffs, not really, uh, valuing him the way he would like to be valued has kind of soured him to where if LSU does get into the picture with an offer, I don't even know if that's going to make a difference at this point. Uh, that's kind of the feedback I've gotten. Now, I think he could say that, and that could be kind of what his camp feels, but like, you know, if the offer actually comes, uh, we'll see. But that's all hypothetical because he doesn't have an offer from LSU. What he does have an offer from is Florida State, and Florida State apparently did a fantastic job hosted him this weekend i think we've talked to like four or five different sources on this combined and everyone's similar similar input is like they felt really good about the progress they made on the purdue commitment now florida state did offer only i think a month or so ago and that was something that again ricky collins i think is very big on wanting to feel wanted uh based on the lsu recruitment and i think fsu does have a little bit of ground to make up in terms of like they didn't offer until pretty late in the process typically quarterbacks like to be settled in and, and done with the recruiting process by June or July. So to offer in, in May is, is fairly late, uh, but I do get the sense that FSU has worked pretty hard to make up ground. And it sounds like they feel really good about where they're at uh, after the official visit. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything there. Oh, the only other thing is that we, we just hinted at, yeah, he's going to be back in Tallahassee on Wednesday for FSU seven on seven. He's coming with his team, but that's a chance for him to, you know, interact with the coaches and, and GAs and, and players and whatnot again. Uh, so to be in Tallahassee twice in you know four or five day span, a pretty big deal. Uh, Zach, anything that you want to add to that? Oh, how, how do you spell Ricky for Ricky Collins, by the way? R-I-C-K-I-E. Nicely done. Um, one thing to note, you mentioned the LSU 7-on-7 seven seven that he attended. We learned that FSU running back coach David Johnson was actually at that event. Um not to watch Ricky Collins, his or maybe um, his son was competing at the event, so he, he got a he, he was officially there to watch his son. Exactly, yeah, I think officially. Um, but that that's just a cool note. Um, obviously, they saw him then; they got him on campus, and then they'll get him on campus again on Wednesday, and we will be sure to have full coverage of that. Yeah, so Zach is going to just stalk Ricky Collins. I think is the plan Dude, for the seven on seven. We can't say that. I'm going to get like in trouble. 
but I'm going to take video. Uh, we're going to do a film breakdown of him uh, with Kevin AB of him throwing at seven on. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited to watch him throw. So let's talk about this seven on seven and big man camp coming up uh, on Wednesday. Last week when we covered these two events, uh, there were maybe like 150, 200 big men uh, at the big man camp and only 11, 12 teams. We're saying fewer than. Or get, no, I was actually giving thumbs up because it was bad. Yeah, it, it was not a great uh, turnout. Uh, There's one or two offers that came from it, uh, and then the seven on seven also kind of uh, unremarkable to be to be totally honest and transparent. And part of that is a numbers game. You don't have a ton of teams coming. Don't have a ton of players at the event. Uh, this is what's going to happen. It's, it's a numbers game. Uh, this week is going to be a very different story, fellas. Uh, there will be a handful of blue chip recruits at the big man camp, and then the seven-on-seven seven tournament is going to have close to 50 teams, 5-0. So it's going to go from about a dozen teams to about 50. It's going to be wild. We're all four of us from those 24-7 covering recruiting are going to be out there trying to trying to somehow cover the entirety of this huge day. Uh, Zach, who's going to be there for the big man camp that we're going to be focused on? Yeah, we're still working to confirm um, specific attendees. We've heard that Eagles Landing is going to be there. If you don't know who that uh, who, who that school holds, it's two big offensive linemen targets for Florida State. Uh, one is four-star Zechariah Owens, more of a tackle. And then um, interior tackle guy, G.J. Chester, who was on campus for the elite camp. Um, we're working to confirm that both guys will be there, but we know that's a school that's expected to attend. Um, as far as other guys, we'll hear more this week, and we'll, we'll make sure to update on those 24-7, probably with the list or just individual updates on, on guys that are expected in. And then for the seven on seven, we'll get into all the different teams and stuff later in the week as well as we get that confirmed. Yep. So uh, yeah, it'll be a pretty, pretty fun and busy week at Knowles 24 uh, seven. The only thing that I can think of fellas that I would like to talk about real quick is that is um, Chris Parson. How do we spell Parson, Zach? P-A-R-S-O-N. No S at the end of it. No S at the end of it. Uh, was at Mississippi State on Friday for a camp. Uh, it was an unofficial visit. I don't know why I'm going to say camp. I put a big P at the end of camp. 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 Uh, so uh, he was at Mississippi State, and uh, and all of a sudden the photos start coming out from the unofficial visit, and all of a sudden it feels like a reality, Zach. It feels like this is this is, this is an unavoidable collision course of of at least some drama coming up in the next few weeks. He did put hashtag relax on his Instagram photo when he posted it with the Mississippi state photos. So I'm not too worried. Okay. Um, as no, long as there's a hashtag relax there, it's, it's all yeah. good then. Chill out, Brendan. Um, I'm not too worried. I no. I, to be honest, like if we're being real, obviously mm -hmm. it's worrisome. Um, you know, I don't, I don't expect this to be his last visit, right? Like if he's opened the door to taking other visits, He's probably going to explore his options even more, especially since Florida State's fully in on two other um, major quarterback targets. So I'm not, wor I'm not worried about it. You just worry some. I'm just kind of. It is what it is at this worried. point. I'm. I was worried about Travis Hunter. Okay, here's the thing. So let's say like the worst right case scenario. The worst case scenario happens where they don't get any of these quarterbacks. Like, would you then worry? Yeah, it'd be pretty damning if if the worst case scenario happens. I don't think that's what is going to happen. Um, I just, but it's like, okay, it's like your girl. She takes a break, and then like in that break, she goes and like sees another dude. 
so my wife takes a break from me and starts dating someone else is what you're saying. Yeah. And then like after it was like, oh, just forget about like, like us courting like other people. Like, well, let's just get back together. It's never going to be the same. So like when, like after this whole like thing happens, like let's say, let's say they strike out on, on Ricky Collins and, and Brock Lent, right. And they, and they're like, oh, Chris Parsons, our guy. Um, I'm not saying they they won't go after other quarterbacks, but let's just say that happens, right? Is it going to be the same? Is the relationship going to be the same? I'm not sure. I think that I kind of jumped that shark back with the Dante Moore stuff, Zach, to where like, I don't know if this was something that I was, I thought was going to inevitably end well one way or the other. Yeah. Um, if Chris is cool being like one of two players in this class, like I think that two quarterbacks in this class, and I think that that makes sense and you kind of see how he does with, with competition competing directly against someone in his own class for playing time. I just, yeah. I mean, listen, like if they end up with zero, zero quarterbacks in the 2023 recruiting cycle, like that's not good, but I've said this before. Like, I think ultimately that the quarterbacks who matter the most to Mike Norvell being at Florida state in the long term are currently there's two of them. And they're currently on the roster right now. And that's Jordan Travis for the 2022 season and AJ Duffy being kind of the, the guy who gives you a chance to sell hope and optimism in 2023. So some of this to me is, is just not, I'll say it's not important because it, because it is important to, to build, you know, your, your farm system, so to speak, but it's inconsequential, I guess, to what the bigger picture is. And so I'm not super worried of, of what Chris Parson is doing at this very moment in time. I hope they keep him. I think it's better to have him in this class than to not. So I'm not dismissing that. It's just more so if, you know, if he wants to go take unofficial visits and those turn into officials and that's his prerogative as this was always kind of expected for me. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not like there. I'm not predicting that they're not going to land any of these quarterbacks. Like I'm not, I'm not predicting that, but if that were to happen, um, that would obviously not be great. <laughs> no, you're right. It would not be great. And there's a calculator risk to go in there. I think they feel pretty good about where they sit after this official visit weekend. I know typically most times like a staff isn't going to feel bad after an official visit weekend too, for context, but we'll, we'll see. I, I think uh, young coach Tony Tokars is being pretty aggressive trying to put his stamp on this quarterback cycle. And um, I'm very interested to see what, what Tony does and in, in how he, if he's able to close, this is a big, a big month or so for him. It'll be an interesting month of June to follow. For maybe, maybe pivotal. Even. I don't know if it's pivotal, but it's Dane, be- Dane. Is it pivotal? I think it's quite pivotal. Yeah. Thank you, Dane. Thank you. I agree, Zach. You <laughs> yeah, shut your mouth when you talk. To yes, us. man. <laughs> quite pivotal. We're gonna figure out a lot by the end of June, I think. I think so too. Yeah, this is gonna be a big like this timeline's good. I mean. Brock Glenn said he's going to make his decision, hopefully, before the Elite 11. When's the Elite 11? June 28th. All right. Is it this month then? Okay. So it's a pivotal month, Zach. You don't have you don't have Josh Newberg or Chris Need to be contrarian right now. This is the Dane train and, and the Sinone train. All aboard. Get on or get off. You guys need to do a solo podcast together since you guys Ooh, What are we going to call it? What do we call it? Sinone. Know, all right, let's end, let's, let's end this podcast. <laughs> all right, for On the Bench, for Zach Blostein, for Dane Draper Drooper, I'm Brendan Snow. We'll talk to you guys next week.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.